Welcome to Let's Talk Football with me, Chris. And me, Richard. The podcast bringing you the latest in football news. Every week we discuss all the big talking points from the world of football and preview all the action in the week to come. In this week's podcast, West London's Chelsea reign supreme over Spurs in North London. Jesse Lingard comes back to haunt the Hammers in East London. And Liverpool run riot over Crystal Palace from South London. Lots to get through this week, so without wasting any more time, let's talk football. Right, here we are. Nice little uh, London there in your intro. Yes, all the things happening for the London clubs this week. Lots of London things to discuss. So where to start, really? Uh, First of all, thank you for listening. Everyone that's tuning in, maybe for the first time, make sure you go and tell all your friends and let people know that we're all here. I saw a few tweets flying around over the weekend. It's nice to hear that people are enjoying the podcast so far. Yeah, thank you very much, everyone. So let us know. But big talking points really this weekend. I think we have to start. I'm sorry, but we do have to start with Chelsea and Spurs. Do we? Do we really have yeah. to start there? Yeah, no, I think we do because it, it's really the big... Well, there's a, there a lot that happened in East London, but we can talk about that in a bit. But All right, then. I think starting north london let's pull the plaster off yeah let's pull that plaster off it done and dusted so um chelsea coming up looking like no one's going to beat them yes quite honest at the minute uh, champions elect as far as i'm concerned Ch- champions elect you're going a bit early i'm not but they'll well, definitely be up there to be fair i normally judge who's going to win the title by how i've seen them physically mm-hmm. and obviously we played manchester city and i know man city were a bit below par but chelsea just looked like a squad and a team that are going to win this thing this year. They're uh, quite quite incredible. And you've only got to look at the change he made at half time to see why. Yeah, because that's just what he does. Yeah. Tuchel, he, he does. He's not afraid, and he makes. And we'll come on to managers' decisions a little bit later yeah. on, I guess. But that was a big, big moment in the game. Yeah. Because first half it was even. First half, we, yeah, it was. First, it, arguably, we were the better side in the first half. Arguably, just yeah. about. It was definitely on 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 terms, but I think Thiago Silva had a massive role in that first half. Yeah, keeping Sonny at bay right. and yeah, because that was the idea, wasn't it, of playing Harry Kane out on the left? Well, it was almost like they were playing alongside one another. It looked like we were playing yeah. a diamond in midfield at times. Obviously, it was really hard to tell what we were trying to do because every, obviously Kane was dropping deep. Well, he was towards the second half, but I think in the first half he was predominantly coming from the left, wasn't he? Because I think the idea was to get Son on Silver and try and... Try and do him, yeah. Try and take advantage of that when it never really happened and I thought Silver played really well and then he got his goal. Yeah. I thought he, he deserved for his performance, to be honest. Yeah. As I said to a friend on the way home, if we score the first goal Sunday, I think we go on and win that because we can control the pace well, that of was the his game plan, from there. I think. Yeah. That was, that, that was the plan for Nuno, I think. He wanted to get that goal early. And it just didn't and then come. and then just dig in, yeah. And it just it just never it never happened. No, but obviously, Kante coming on at half time, they changed the shape in midfield, yeah. And it allowed Rudiger to get a bit further forward. I mean, he had a lung bursting run. It was a, an amazing run. But as a Tottenham fan, yeah. I was like, just someone tackle him for Christ's sake! <laughs> we must have run fifty yards and nobody touched him. You're like, oh my god! Well, that second half, I don't think Spurs were anywhere near it. No. No, we didn't. I think we were we were interested. caught a bit cold coming out start the second half. Obviously, they had about three, four corners in a row, and then scored. Yeah, and they didn't take too long to score the second goal. And obviously, once Chelsea are two 0 up, they just started knocking the ball around, and we were just chasing yeah. shadows by that point. We we're very, very. I thought they were just very poor. Though. Just lack of energy, I think, in that second half performance that, from Tottenham. I think you. I, it's la- it was lack of energy, but it was good play from Chelsea as well. Obviously, Ndombele hadn't played a lot of minutes. You could tell after about 55 minutes that the tank was empty in terms of him. Yeah. So, obviously, he come off, skip come on. It was a bit weird. It was a bit strange, though, that. Not really. We didn't really what, have a lot. When did he go off? He went off in the 62nd minute. Yeah. At that point, you 2-0 down. Yes. He, he probably should have made a change quicker than that, but Obviously, when you concede, you're like, right, let's just slow it down for a minute. And then they scored seven minutes later. So you're like, hmm. did he have the time to make a change? Probably. But we didn't really have a lot of changes we could make. We had Skip. We had Gill, who come on. 
The rest of them were defenders. Yeah, yeah. lack of depth there. Well, there's no more. With, there was no well, more and no I guess Bergwijn. with Bergwijn and more, yeah, with those two not being available. Yeah. So created a problem, it, which we all thought was going to happen at the back, but I thought Dyer got through the game all right in the end. Yeah, he had a lot of strapping on his leg, which I was a bit worried about, but he did really well. Yeah. Romero did well, to be fair. First half, obviously, the siege that came in the second half, you can do nothing about that. But um, no, Emerson looked good as well. So yeah. A few positives to take from it, but not a great deal. Harry Kane hasn't scored, though. No, in the in the league. The last time, last year. time he went this long without a goal at the start of the season, he won the Golden Boot. So, well, I think he's going to have a bit more of a challenge than he probably had that year. Probably, probably. Obviously, a big game coming this weekend. We need to win that, really. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, well, it's obviously having the North London derby coming up. Yeah. I mean, Arsenal are starting to get their confidence back. They are, and I said, bit by I bit. said to a friend on our way home as well on Sunday. Look. Right, if we're trying to play towards Tottenham's DNA in inverted commas of attacking football, if Nuno's yeah. not comfortable doing it, if he would rather play three centre backs, five at the back, however you want to phrase it, do it. Because I'd rather be winning football matches than try and play entertaining football. I mean, that's very unusual considering that everyone at Tottenham wanted to get rid of Mourinho for that exact reason. Yeah, but he did. Mourinho was a little bit of a step backwards in terms of, you know, we would try and defend the goal lead with, we wouldn't play five at the back, we'd play well, four at the back. Well, that's exactly what Nuno would have done yesterday. Yeah. But I think, obviously, we saw from the Manchester City game that the players bought into the idea that we could defend a lead. Under Jose Mourinho, we just went backwards and backwards and backwards and backwards. Was at least under Nuno in those first couple of games. We did try and get forward rather than just sitting back. We tried to hit them on, a count, on the counter-attack rather than just trying to defend what we had. Hmm. It's very much like Mourinho tactics to me. Well, I've seen Mourinho tactics up quite closely, and that's what I remember of them. But that's what, I'm, that's what I would like to see from Nuno. If he's not comfortable playing what we're trying to do, then we need to. he needs to put his authority down and say, look, we need to play three at the back. I think that's what we're probably going to end up playing anyway. Because you've got Romero, you've got, you've got, you've got Dye, you've got Sanchez. Obviously, you've got some personnel to make it happen. Yeah, we can we can make five at the back work. It's just how we make it work further up the pitch. So. Yeah, it's how you get forward and making sure. Well, it all comes from the wing backs, doesn't it? Then? I'm a little bit worried that there are people starting to call for his head already. But just give him a chance. We give him time. He needs time. Pochettino got the time when he first came in. Well, yeah, we were dire for the first seven or eight games. We drew a couple. We won a couple. Let's just calm down and give him a chance. Well, we'll, we'll see how, how that kind of plays out then, I guess, over, over the coming weeks. Big North London derby next weekend. Yeah. Another half-four kickoff. Yeah. So um, plenty of time to prepare for it we got, after, we had, after the we Carabao play, Cup. We played Wolves in midweek, yeah. Oh, you'll have played Wolves in midweek. Yeah, we'd have played Wolves in midweek. <laughs> yeah. Moving on then. I know you don't want to talk about this anymore, so we'll move on. No, let's, yeah, let's find something else. <laughs> let's, let's move on. Let's let's move ourselves over to East London and the two o'clock kickoff over there between West Ham and Manchester United. I will say one thing: the biggest yeah. roar of the afternoon at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium came from either Jesse Lingard's goal or Mark Noble's penalty miss. And that tells you how oh, yeah, badly well... we had an afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to get onto this now. So, obviously, Jesse comes on. A lot of talk after his mistake in the week in the Champions League against young boys. And, you know, my, my thoughts on, on that game quickly was just, look, we went down to 10 men. You're away in Europe. Let's, you know, and there was a lot of criticism, criticism that was thrown at Ollie for the way that he decided to essentially try and shut the shot and be like, no, we, you know, we need to get out of here with something. When actually, he was just showing respect to a team that have qualified for the Champions League at the end of the day and were playing against uh, 11 men v10. Quite right at the tackle that Wambasaka did, deserved of his red card. And then obviously Jesse comes, comes on and he's trying to keep the ball at the end of the game. You know, doesn't want to panic, doesn't want to launch it. And essentially just gives... A brilliant through ball just at the wrong end of the pitch. Yeah, yeah, great pass. So, you know, you go from that low 
and then you come to the weekend and he's scoring a winner, a last-minute winner. Yeah. Just like he gave away a last-minute uh, losing goal. He comes on and scores a last-minute winner at West Ham. And so those are the highs and lows, and you know, and I think they'd have talked about that at United and how it's just about, you know, staying steady. Don't get too high in the highs, and but don't get too low when the lows come. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, big, big, big win for us, that. Obviously, Ronaldo. Again. Can't stop, can't yeah. stop scoring. I'm going to mention him, sorry. <laughs> but he, if he keeps scoring goals and playing and, and making his case, and he's going to be on his way for that golden boot, yeah. one of the contenders for it. We're going to have to keep talking about him. We're going to have to. Sorry, everyone. But, you know, he's uh, he keeps doing things that are amazing. Can I, so. can I make a personal plea? What? To Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean, you can. He might not hear okay. it. In fairness. Cristiano, please stop scoring goals. Thank you very much. No, 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 not allowed. <laughs> um, but I think he's he's the second oldest United player to score in consecutive league games. So Ryan Giggs would be the first behind Ryan yeah, Giggs, yeah. Yeah, right. So, um, Ryan Giggs, who we can't really talk about, but yeah. <laughs> no, no, not really. He's he's dealing with some stuff. Yeah. And then he'll either get cancelled or he'll be the legend that he is again. And we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> One of those two things. So, yeah, no, big win. And then, obviously, we need to talk about it. And I saw something on, I think it was Match of the Day on their one of their Facebook posts. Right, yeah. Put out Mark Noble's touch map, which I thought was an incredibly <laughs> cruel thing yeah, to it do. it was very cruel. Yeah. But it was essentially just the penalty spot. Big decision, that, from David Moyes. Very big decision. To bring on Mark Noble like that. Last minute. And do you know what? I tried to do a stat check on the last yeah. or the first time that a player had been brought on in the Premier League to take a penalty, to take just a penalty. And I couldn't yep. find a thing. Uh, I'm not surprised, really. I, would, I wouldn't think that it's happened. No, I, well, I, I was like, it must have happened. Surely it must have happened already. But it hasn't. I looked at it. No. But, um, you know, I think when you look at Mark Noble's record, and the last player to score a penalty for West Ham was Jesse Lingard. Oh. It just, it just keeps coming back to Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse, he, sc- he missed one and then he scored one, I think. Yeah. So he missed his first one, then he scored the next one that he took for him. And then after that, I think they've had three or four other penalties and they've all missed all different takers. Yeah. Uh, including the Mark Noble one at the weekend. But, you know, you kind of have that and you've gone right. I've got Mark Noble on the bench who has an impeccable penalty yeah. record. Second only to Lewandowski and his of active players. Yeah. In terms of a record in Europe, so in some respects it's like, yeah, sure, go for it. I mean, I'm not a professional footballer, as you may know, and so when I hear people like Graham Souness and and that and Roy Keane talking about sending a player on who's not kicked the ball, not felt the game, I find that strange because you just surely you're kicking a ball every day of your life, and that's sort of the moment that you're in i can't I, I can't see how being cold as a footballer necessarily affects your penalty taking at the end of the day you're you're a professional you can kick a football hard i think i didn't get that that's a bit that i just didn't for me but again i'm not i've never played i've never played professional football so maybe maybe it's different maybe it is like that it but it just feels one. like you're all you could be on you're not being asked to make a, a 60 yard sprint without a warm up no right you're asked to Go into the box as a penalty taker, someone who's taken loads of penalties in your career, had a long career, lots of experience of being in those pressured situations. You know, it's different to the Euros when, you know, when Sancho and, and Rashford were brought on. Yeah. It's different to that situation. You know, even though Rashford's got a great penalty record, Sancho I was a bit more confused of because I didn't know about, you know, I don't think he'd ever taken that many penalties at Dortmund. Doesn't sound like it, no. I just thought I, because I I instantly just thought, oh, oh he's going to score this, Mark Noble. Yeah, Mark Noble. De Gea obviously got and saved the penalty since twenty sixteen, I think. Yeah, it was. I think it's is it forty, including penalty shootouts. Yeah. I think you've nicked my stat. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Keep I going. I knew that. That's about my. I said I know that about David. You love David De Gea. I'm not. I'm not surprised. I love, yeah, he's my he's my hero, David. And I'll never, I'll never have slander against him or libel for that matter. So you know, to see him save was great, and that reaction then from the players at the end, because they, you know, they all would have known, especially after the Europa League final last season, 
you know, what that save meant yeah. for him. And then everyone went over, even Ollie, the first person he went to at the end of the game, straight over to David. And... To be fair, they were probably thinking, oh my God, he's actually saved one. I think Roy Keane said, oh, well, the law of averages. Yeah, law of averages. <laughs> he can't, he can't, he, he, for whatever reason, Roy Keane has a thing with De Gea, but I think he's come, he's come back this season and looked great. I mean, Roy Keane's us. probably got a problem with everybody. You just have to look at you and <laughs> he's probably got a problem with you. But yeah, no, you know, when we're going, when we're coming back, I thought we, I thought we played pretty well, actually. I think we deserved the win. And obviously there was also in that game, the penalty shouts. Yes. Yeah, lots of them, and I thought West Ham could have had one, another one. I thought, I thought it was, I thought it was handball. I think it's harsh those handballs because I don't. I think he's lunging with his foot, and I think your arm will naturally come out when you do that. But given you know he's made his body bigger, etc., etc., yeah, et yeah, then yeah, yeah that's going to yeah. be given. But you know, to say it's in an unnatural position, I don't necessarily think that it would be because I think if you make that lunge forward your arms are going to go with you are going to come out because you're trying to keep your balance yeah yeah so there's that argument i think um west ham could have had another one yeah with wambasaka when the ball, a ball got paced i think it was to suchet but i can't remember off the top of my head and wambasaka and him kind of had a tangle and it, it could have gone either way yeah the ref decided to give man united the free kick and that was it and then ronaldo had three claims um one was I, I didn't like I didn't agree with and that was where I think he I think he feels a brush on his shoulder and he he just turns himself and goes down but I thought the other two could have been given I think actually the third actually the I think it's the third one I think where he, he starts to go down a bit early I think, I think that doesn't help him but the one where the defender sticks his leg out and leaves it planted and Ronaldo's skipped past you know kind of yeah. done his step over and gone past him and, and the defender's just left his leg there and and Ronaldo's hit him. That to me is that to me is penalty. Yeah. There were a lot of referees this weekend looking at monitors. There was, but not in that game. He didn't even go and look he at him. Didn't them. go and look at it, did he? Oh no, because obviously you would have been on your way to I Tottenham. Would have been. No, he didn't. No. He didn't even look at him. Oh, okay. There was no nothing from VAR or anything, and there was two of them that I thought were good shouts. Oh. But there we are. Again, I guess as well they get to do it all again in midweek in, in the Carabao Cup. We may all. You'll know the results of this by the time you listen to it. I don't because it's only Tuesday night. So uh, good luck to Man United tomorrow. Right. Uh, we must then talk about Liverpool. They just seem to keep motoring on. Yep. Another three goals. Mane, Salah. Oh, and I was hey, well, I was I was I was on, I was sat on a bench over the weekend, and this Liverpool fan kind of sat on a bench with his girlfriend and that, and he's and the, and they like, sat down on this bench opposite me, and he was putting his bets on the football and he turned around and he went do you know what he said i'm gonna put salah on for first goal scorer and then he went actually do you know what let's have another look who's fresh he said oh Mane never played in the midweek i'm gonna put Mane down as first goal scorer and he goes and sc- I-, I couldn't believe it <laughs> i was like fair play to you yeah. Mane got the first goal and he, he i don't know what his odds were because i was only i was i'll be honest i was eavesdropping <laughs> and he was like yeah you know what? i'll put Mane down first as first goal scorer so he's, he's gone and won his bet fair play fair to the guy play to the guy Absolutely. But he's got his bet in with Mane getting the first goal. But yeah, that was his hundredth. Yes. For Liverpool. Yeah, I'm surprised when they said that. I was like, yeah, okay. Fair enough. Yeah, no, I mean, he's he's right up Consistent. there. Yeah. Yeah, no, he is. I mean, there was at one point, I think I thought where he was outshining Salah, one of the best in the world that year. Yeah, definitely. Big win for Liverpool, and they just continue to keep going. They do. Goal of the weekend from Naby Keita as well. Yeah, great, great strike, that one. Palace, I mean, you're going to Anfield, you're playing Liverpool. It's always going to be a tough day. It is, yeah. So, you know, I think if you're a Crystal Palace fan, I wouldn't be. Yeah, you'd definitely not put that on down on the, um, let, we're going to win that one. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Good, good performance from Liverpool. Let's talk the Friday night game briefly. Newcastle leads. Decent game that one. He was. It was very end to end. Yeah. You know, I was a bit surprised. Really, we only got the two goals in that one. Yeah, there was lots of half chances, but both defenses were all at sea for quite a lot of the game as well. Yeah. Well, hopefully, um, you know, Newcastle fans are screaming. I know we want to talk about Newcastle in a bit more detail in a little while, but just to bring it up, I think you know they want a certain style at Newcastle. The fans demand it, mm-hmm. and I think that game was showing that. 
they could do it, but it does leave them a bit vulnerable. Yes. Yeah, you're going back to the Kev- the first time Kevin Keegan became the manager, when they would play yeah. that swashbuckling style of football. Absolutely. One of the more surprising things was how comfortable I thought. Um, sorry, moving us on a bit. Um, was how comfortable I thought Brentford were against Wolves. Yeah. Yeah, I I was surprised. Wolves haven't really got going yet. No, and that you know, obviously Brentford got the red card after sixty-four minutes. Yeah, and Wolves barely laid a glove on them. No, they didn't. They really didn't. They worked very, very hard for their three points, Brentford. So that's a a big win for them away from home at the Molyneux, going down to ten men, and then you know you're struggling really. I think Traore's hit the bar, hasn't he? I think at one point. Yeah, they had a couple of half chances, but I. I genuinely don't understand why players do what they did for the penalty that Brentford got. They yeah. practic- he practically rugby tackled him to the ground. Yeah, it was pretty bad. I'm like, you're not looking at the ball at all. So that you know the referee's going to watch you. You know that VAR, if the referee doesn't spot it, he's going to say to the referee, you know, you need to have a look at that. So why take the chance? I mean, he's done it a couple of times already for corners that they had. Absolutely. And, yes. yeah, he just literally grappled him to the ground. And obviously Ivan Tony was not... He wasn't going to miss that penalty. He's so no, no. cool. Yep. No, he is. I do like Ivan Tony. I really hope that he has a good a good year. Of course, Wolves, despite even playing half an hour with against 10 men, didn't get a single shot on target in that game. No. no. couldn't believe it's, that. It's bizarre from Wolves. It, I don't know whether they're still trying to find their way under... Under Larg, or whether they're just there'll be a there'll be a bit unlucky. of that. There's a bit, you know, a bit of a change now that Nuno's left them, and you know the atmosphere and everything's going to change a bit because of that. Um, but you know, they they look poor. They could be in trouble. Having started the season and thinking actually Wolves will probably be all right, I think they're starting to show signs of cracking now. They need their luck to change. They need Jimenez to find yeah. his feet again. Yeah, I know he's obviously come back from a very very horrendous injury. But yeah, no, they do. They do need him firing. They said he said that he's gonna, you know, he'll find his feet eventually. They need him to find his feet quick. They really do, really do. Uh, moving us then to Burnley Arsenal. Arsenal getting getting the win with a magnificent free kick from Odegaard. It yeah, must be said. Second goal of the weekend. Yeah, yeah, tremendous free kick. Cracking, yeah, cracking free kick that one from Odegaard. In a game, really, where normally Arsenal potentially would drop points. Yeah, it was very you know, even. Away, away, uh, yeah, away to Burnley, that type of opponent. Yeah, that's normally the banana skin for Arsenal. Yeah, yeah, and they've come away. They've got the win. They're starting to build their confidence back bit by bit. Yeah, I didn't watch any Arsenal fan TV at the weekend. I missed that, so I haven't haven't caught up to see what they were thinking about it. Whether you know whether the mood's starting to change within within the fan base. I thought it was interesting they started with Ramsdale instead of Leno. I thought that was always going to be the plan, to be honest. Because you don't buy a £30 million goalkeeper to leave him on the bench. Oh, we do. <laughs> we did. When when Brad Friedel was at the club and we bought Hugo Lloris, yeah. Brad Friedel was still our goalkeeper. Yeah, for a bit. For a little while. But, yeah. And Lloris came and in. Lloris did eventually. I think Brad Friedel got injured and Lloris come in. And then the rest is history. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> But no, I think you can expect that now, actually, from Arsenal. I think they're going to go with Ramsdale. Yeah, yeah. The decision's been made now. You know, Leno's not done anything wrong since he's come in, but I just think the circumstances and maybe what they're trying to do has kind of led to Ramsdale getting the nod at the minute. I think they're trying to change it back to sort of having an English core, aren't they? Obviously, they've got Ramsdale, they've got White, Saka. Yeah, they're trying to sort of build that core of players, youthful players as well. And, and to be fair, we've got to be fair as well to Arsenal. I think this is the first time that they've been able to get Ben White and Gabriel out at the same time this season. Yeah, probably. And that's I think that's vital for Arsenal, them, them too. Particularly Gabriel, I think, because he was, he's probably the, the best centre-back at the club right now. Yeah. And Ben White, you know, against those clubs, he's going to be fine. A bigger test for Ben White, well, for both of them, actually, and that defence as a whole is when they come against uh, some of the tougher teams higher up the league. They're building momentum, the arse. Yeah, they're, they're building back. <laughs> Should we talk about City and Southampton briefly? I would like to, because that's one of the big controversial decisions of the weekend. Well, let's uh, let's move on to there then. Man City, Southampton, take us away. Well, I don't know whether you've seen the incident 
the penalty incident. I don't know how that's not a penalty. Midway through the second half, mm-hmm. Armstrong's through on goal. Yep. Carl Walker comes across. And for well, me, he that. takes him out. I don't think he did. When I first saw it, I didn't think it was a penalty. When I saw a replay, I didn't think it was a penalty then either. I've... I think Armstrong's on his way down. Potentially. I think I'm just used to Carl Walker using his pace to get himself out of trouble. And that is typical Kyle Walker. Walker kind of steps across the line. Yeah. But at that point, when he come, when Walker's coming in, Armstrong's already on his way on the floor. He might well be, but Walker doesn't take the ball. Yeah, but neither Armstrong doesn't do anything with the ball either. He's already on the floor. Mm. And what do you expect Kyle Walker to do at that point? When he steps over yeah. to kind of shield the ball, he's kind of expecting Armstrong to be standing. So he's expecting him to feel him up there, but all of a sudden he's feeling him around his hip. Because yeah. he's already on the floor. I just, I just thought it was. I, d- I don't think, I don't think that's a penalty. I think they've actually got that one right. The referees. I don't think it was a penalty. Well, fair enough. We've created debate. I think they've actually got that one right. Yeah, they, obviously there was a lot of games where there was a lot of monitor usage. Which, all right, they were criticised last season for not using the monitor enough. Yeah. So that's good. That essentially they are now going to the monitor and they're changing their decision. Obviously, you know automatically as soon as they go to the monitor, they're going to change the decision they've already made. That's it. Is it taking away anything from the referee? Obviously, obviously, the initial call was penalty. Yeah. The trouble with VAR and the trouble with the interpretation we use in the Premier League, or anyone who uses, to be fair, is it's one person's opinion against another's. So the prime example for us here... So I'm essentially John Moss, who's just given the penalty. Yeah. And you're the VAR chap who's said, no, it's not a penalty. No, I see. In my head, the conversation goes, you might just want to take another look at that. Yeah. Just, just have another look. Which is, which is essentially look. what they say to him. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just have another look at it and see what you think. I said, you know, there might not be anything. You might still think it's a penalty. Yeah. But, you know, and you think about it, back there, they have got all the angles and that to look at. They have. So in yeah. some ways, they've got, like, the referee on the pitch is only seeing it once. Yes. That's it. They see it once, and that's the end. Like, the, the West Ham penalty for Luke Shaw, that wasn't given straight away. That had to go to VAR. Yeah. And, you know, then it was given. So, you know, just go, come and have another look at it and see what you think when you have another look at it. And, yeah, okay, it probably is a high chance at that point then because they trust the people around them to go actually i think that was a foul yeah then that's fair because then they're going they're going to have a look at it and they'll go well yeah i think you're right actually i've got that i've got that wrong yeah you know and and then they change the decision and it happens i just think they're taking a little bit away from the referee i know obviously the- but in some in some regards that's good and the referees yeah. will welcome that because it takes away that pressure that pressure off yeah. them because then at that stage it's not a or I've made a big call and you don't see it till you get home. Yeah. Or you see it in the tunnel after the game. Yeah. You get you get a chance to put it right there and then and, and that for a referee can only be a good thing. It can only be a good thing for the game. Yeah. I suppose you're right. But I, I, I just think it's 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 a typical car walker challenge for me. They're not always gonna get everything right. No. But yeah, and for me yeah, and for me I, I just think on that one, Armstrong by the time Walker's coming across the him armstrong's already on the floor and and walker doesn't seem to be anywhere near him when he starts to go when he starts to lead because he kind of falls at feet first yeah rather than head first and that was the thing that seemed a bit odd for me because if walker had taken him out really his legs should have gone the other way yeah his legs should have gone away from walker not into walker so he what but he wasn't booked for simulation for drawing the foul. well it might have been a slip you yeah. know it might have been a slip for all we know but and that's that's the bit where it comes hard to judge at that point. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, not not for me that one. The classic case of six of one, half a dozen of the other. Maybe. Right. Uh, let's talk about big win for Villa. Yes. Leon Bailey. Leon shining. Bailey. Twenty-one minutes he was on the pitch for. Yeah. He's great. I'm telling you. I, I said at the start of the season, I'm really looking forward to seeing him play more in the Premier League, and he's not disappointing. And I think he's the first player ever to come on, score, yeah. assist, and then go off again. <laughs> nice. I'm sure I read nice. that What somewhere. a guy. What a guy. It's a shame, really, that he's obviously got these niggles going on. Yes, but he'll get there. Hopefully so. 
Everton looked very poor. Yeah, they did. And, and this is where the, the thing, you know, the, the tide of feeling might start to move away from Rafa. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, yeah. and this is all, you know, they had a good start. But it, to me, it seems like a typical Everton start to a season when I look back at it. They tend to start a season really well. Then they have like a, a low patch and then and then they, they win games towards the back end of the season or, you know, in that mid part of the season, they start to claw it back and get their consistency towards the end of the season and finish eighth or ninth. Yeah, probably. Sometimes seventh. And I, I kind of feel like that's where Everton are probably going to end up this season. Potentially, yeah. But no, good, good performance from the Villa. Everton have got lots to work on. And then finishing off with Watford, Norwich... And for me, this is the biggest sign that I think Norwich are probably going down again. Yes. To be quite honest. If you're losing at home to a fellow promoted team, yeah. the signs aren't good. That was, a big, that was a big game for Norwich. And I thought when they got it back to one all, I thought, all right, okay. Show us something, though. Yeah. And but in, 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 in Ishmael Sassar, though, Watford have got a player. They have. They have. He will go for big money. Exactly. He can, yeah. he, he can change a game and he can do some, you know, he can do a lot of stuff that. Many teams in the Premier League would love to have Ishmael Asar in their team. Yes, definitely. And um, it was a really good, really good performance from Watford, who needed it themselves. Big boost for them. Yeah. Second win of the season for them. Yeah. And, you know, puts them, puts them above Leicester and Arsenal. Yeah. In the early season table. Speaking of Leicester, should we move on to our yeah. final? Let's do it. Yeah. Leicester and Brighton. And Brighton, Brighton. Brighton, what a start! What a season they're having so far. The seagulls are flying. They really are. And then taking lunches from everybody, it would seem. <laughs> they are indeed. They are coming up and nicking all the points off the foxes. Yeah. You just want the chips left over from the chip shop, but the seagulls have come from the beach, and nicked them. You've, you've taken that way too far. Yeah, we've gone. We've gone down. A, we've gone down a cul-de-sac. We have gone down, down a cul-de-sac. Reverse, reverse out the cul-de-sac. It's, it's too late. We're in there. But no, Brighton, fourth place, four wins from their fuck from five. Yeah. You know, they've had a better start to the season than Man City. Yeah. And they can they can be very proud of that start. Very happy with that. Absolutely. Vardy got a Vardy got a big goal, didn't he, this weekend as well? For Jamie Vardy. That Premier League? Um overall, I think. Overall, okay. For Leicester. Yeah, I think so. Because I imagine he scored more than hundred and fifty goals if he was banging him in for Fleetwood Town back in the day. But then they had two goals ruled out for VAR, which annoyed Brendan Rodgers. One I could yep. see, all right, yeah, that's offside. The other one, mm, not so much. Not sure about that one. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, these, like I said, well, we were just saying, some of these are going to be right, some of them are going to be wrong. You know, there's still going to be those objective ones that are going to be tricky to call. Yes, definitely. I must say I was very pleased to see Danny Welbeck on a score sheet. Yeah, it's a good goal from Welbeck as well, to be fair. He was, you know, there was a time where... Well, he's a hard. He's one of the hardest working centre forwards I've ever seen at Old Trafford. He's the way he used to get up and down the pitch, and I think Rio Ferdinand used to talk about this a lot with Danny Wilbert. He said he's one of the best recover centre forwards who could recover a football than anyone he'd ever seen. Yeah, the way he used to get back at midfielders and nick the ball off them, you know. And he's had his injury problems, and I, re you know, I really hope this is a step for Danny Wilbert. Hopefully, it's a step in the right direction for him because he didn't really have a good time at Arsenal, did he either? No, he didn't. He didn't, and I was still surprised. Well, it was Louis Van Gaal at United. I wasn't surprised. He let he let he let Hernandez go. He let Welbeck go. He let Johnny Evans go. Yeah. Just don't get me started on that one. Okay. But yeah, no good. Good win for Brighton. They look brilliant so far this season. So you know, looking forward to what they've got to come for us. And that pretty much wraps us up, then, doesn't it? Talking about then. Yeah, that's last week done. That is your weekend football. So, what have we got next? What do you want to talk about next? So, yeah, let's move on to this day in football. Obviously, last week we started this by looking at what happened at the weekend just gone. Now we're going to move on to this weekend. And this weekend, there was a very significant incident that happened back in 1998. Ooh, 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 what was it? Do you what remember Paolo Di Canio? Of course I remember Paolo Di Canio. Everyone remembers Paolo Di Canio. Premier League legend. Do you remember Paolo Di Canio pushing over a referee? Yes, yes, I do. Mr. Paul Alcock. It's probably one of the funniest things I've ever seen on a football yeah, pitch. It happens. It's not the most disrespectful thing we've ever seen on a football pitch, too. But yeah, I still laughed. Yeah, <laughs> I think we all did. 
until it all kicked off a little bit. In fact, I laughed when Martin Keown squared up to Paolo Di Canio and the face he pulled. If you can find it, Google it, because <laughs> it's amazing. And yeah, so Paolo Di Canio did that on the 26th of September, oh, yeah. 1998. I always, I always think I remember about that, with just the way that the ref kind of... It was like an off-balance thing, wasn't it? And he tried to get his balance back. It was too late, and he just he fell just straight fell. on his backside. That's a meme waiting to happen. Yeah, it was great. It was so, so funny. Yeah, he was a band for 11 games. Yeah, I'm not surprised. And fined £10,000, which is short, small change to a Premier League footballer these days. It is these days. It was, prob- it was probably... I don't know. It probably was then, to it be was fair. probably a week's wage for Paolo Di Canio back then, yeah. maybe. Maybe half maybe. a day's pay. We'll find out. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but there we are. Big, big moment there. In Premier League history, really, that one? Yeah, definitely. Well-remembered time. Um, I suppose, really, another thing I guess we, we were talking about earlier was, was Newcastle. Yes. And the predicament that they find themselves in. And it's it's odd, Newcastle, at the minute. It is. It is very odd. Uh, ahead of that Friday night game, and the atmosphere around the place feels not great. No. Verging on toxic. Yeah, yeah, they've got the issue, you know, Mike Ashley trying to sell the club to the Saudi Arabian group, that getting blocked by the Premier League and all the issues around that. And, you know, Newcastle fans kind of want that change to happen. They do, yeah. But at the same time, there's a reason that these things were brought in around ownership. Yes. And the worry is always, you know, the, the worry must have been there for the Premier League to say actually no, because they've not been afraid to let investors in to the Premier League in the past. No, no, there was but obviously must, something there wrong must with have it. Been, yeah. There was obviously something they weren't happy about with this, whether, you know, whether it would be an ethical one because the Saudi's connection to human rights and that kind of thing, yeah, or, or whether it was something a bit more specific about the bid. So I guess this is where the grey area is. Are the Premier League within their rights to block a business transaction? They are to a certain degree because of obviously this fit and proper persons business. Yes, yeah. and that's that's the thing. That that's the one thing, isn't it? It's like okay, the Premier League have to protect the reputation of the Premier League, yeah. but then at the same time, this is a capital kind of capitalist kind of transaction yeah. between two private entities. Yeah, and that's the other side of it, really. And that's kind of where Mike Ashley and and obviously the the prospective buyers argument he's coming from so hang, hang on a minute how do you have the right to tell me that who i can and can't sell my business to essentially and that, that'll be the yeah. way that mike that'll be the way that mike ashley's looking at it he'll be looking at it go hang on a minute i own this business this business is mine it is up to me you know because he's going to get 300 million let's say from from this these this ownership yeah. or from this uh from these buyers but then on the flip side he can't there's nobody else interested so he could lose out 50 100 million because he has to reduce the price to sell the club to someone who will take it when he knows that he's got this offer from this group from Saudi Arabia and he, he can kind of take it and go, well, that's that's money. You're going to cost me 100, potentially 50, 100 million pounds because, you know, in this way. And I think that's where Mike Ashley's argument with. But, but then I agree more for me. I agree with protecting the reputation of the Premier League, protecting the clubs because of what the clubs mean to the communities that, they, that they're within. Yeah. But that, that's kind of where Mike Ashley's coming from with it. He is. And obviously, as you say, it's his business. He's entitled to sell it to who he wants. But I think, obviously, with the fit and proper persons thing, they have to yeah. have a certain amount of capital. So they have to prove that they've got enough to yeah. sustain them through the season. Well, this is the thing. I, I feel that... I feel that this one is more around the ethical side of it. Yeah. I, I think they've blocked it because of Saudi Arabia's human rights record. Yeah. And I think it, it's come down to that more than... More than money. Because if, yeah. if you're telling me that this Saudi Arabian group can't show capital to buy the club, then I'd be very surprised. Yes. And I think, and I think this is where the con- controversy is coming from, particularly from within, well, from Mike Ashley and from the group that are trying to buy yeah. the club. So now the supporters have gone away from we want to get rid of Mike Ashley to we want to get rid of Steve Bruce. Yeah, and, and you know, I watched um, Gary Neville, wait, well, it was Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher ahead of the Friday night game, did a little sit-down with some Newcastle fans. And their, their thing with Steve Bruce, rightly or wrongly, is that he's not playing the football that Newcastle fans want to see. They accept, there's, there's an exception from them that they're not going to be of Newcastle of the Keegan years. Yeah. Which is fair enough. But they, it, yeah. 
but they 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 just want to be on the edge of their seats and and supported. And they think that with the players that they've got in St Maximum and Callum Wilson, to name a couple, that they have players who can mean they can play in a certain way, whether that's right or wrong. Um, personally, I think that Newcastle have a limited squad and have to do best with what they've got. Yep, agreed. And I think Steve Bruce is more than capable of getting the best out of those players. There isn't many others, I think, that can come in and do that. No. But I think that the unrest is coming from, A, it was Mike Ashley who's brought in Steve Bruce at this point yep. when he's trying to sell the club and they're not happy with that. And, and I think a lot of it's to do with them losing Rafa at the end of the day. Yes. That, that is really really well i think where most of this is coming from when rafa benitez decided to leave i think it was always going to be hard for the next person well for anybody after that yeah. for, the, for the foreseeable and, and you have to say that that is a completely valid reason but yeah the reason that rafa benitez walked away is because they couldn't agree on how to go forward yeah so you know obviously as you say the the next guy is he's on a hiding to nothing but if you look at newcastle through the last few years or so which obviously i have i've gone and had a look and done a bit of research yeah the last time they finished higher than 10th was 2011 yeah. 2012 under alan Pardew. that was a long time ago their average position from that point they finished 16th 10th 15th 18th 10th again 13th 13th 12th so yeah I don't really understand what the Newcastle fans expect. I get that they want to play entertaining football. And I get that they want to play a style that they're more accustomed to from the Keegan years back in the early 90s. But that was 20-odd years ago. I think their expectations are pretty... The thing is, when you're going there and, and all that Newcastle... All I heard these, one of the Newcastle fans say is, just, we just don't want to worry about getting relegated. Well, you, I'm afraid, was... well you're going to have to. I mean... Looking even further into it, so I've done the, the rankings, points-wise. Yeah. So since they finished fifth, they've got 41, 49, 39, 37, 44, 45, 44, 45. It's consistent. Yeah, they've not got 50 points at any point in the last 10 years. That's where they want to see movement, because yeah. they haven't seen any improvement. Yeah. As a Newcastle fan, you're sitting there going, well... What is my club right now? It's like we just we just exist. Actually, one of the other fans said this. Actually, he said we just kind of exist. Is what he said. He says we just kind of. It feels like we're outside of the Premier League in some respects. It's just, we just we just kind of exist. And you when you've just reeled off those point tallies, you can see why they were thinking that because they just they just sort of there, and they don't want to just be there. They want to see some improvement, and they're not seeing any improvement. No, but you're still in the Premier League. You know, gone are the days where Newcastle challenged for, for Europe. But I think they 100% accept that at the minute, Newcastle fans. I think all they want to do is, is see some sign of improvement in their team, some sign of life, some sign of some positivity, because yeah. they're going to a game at the weekend at the minute, and they're just going to be like, A, they don't know what they're going to get, yeah. and then B, it's just like, oh, here, we, here we go again sort of feeling. And, you know, the crowds aren't up at sellouts like they used to be no. up there. And so it's now starting to have an effect on the people going to the football ground. Which, obviously, they love their football up there. They do. They do. So there's something needs something needs to happen, and, and I don't think anything's going to happen at Newcastle until Mike Ashley's gone. Yeah. That's, that's the key. To give Newcastle fans some crumb of comfort, so obviously we mentioned about the, the ranking and the points. So obviously they finished 13th the season before last. They finished 12th last season, and they got a point more. Mm-hmm. So there is progress there. It's minute, progress. but it's yeah. progress. But we'll see. We'll see how their season goes. There's a a long way to go with Newcastle. There's a long way to go. There's a long way to go for everybody. Everyone, calm down. Everyone, calm down. We are starting to run out a bit of time now. So let's. I want to talk about Derby quickly, as well before we go. Obviously, they've gone into administration, got some point deductions, potential court cases with with Wickham involved. Rooney's only got, I think, 15 fit first-team players to play well, with. He injured one of them. True. I was I was joking with with someone the other day, actually, that maybe Rooney will register himself again soon. I mean, it's quite possible he might. You know, he's, he's, he's not that far out, but he probably doesn't want to do the training, let's be honest. Yeah, he probably doesn't. He probably doesn't want to do the running. No. But um, 
you know, you see Ronaldo have his comeback and you're thinking, hang on a minute. I can do I it. I can still do this. <laughs> yeah. Imagine. I can see, I can potentially see a situation where he's now starting to up his training. But no, um, on a serious note, I think it's just a terrible situation for one of the most historic clubs in England. Yeah. Now you go back to the Brian Clough days and winning the league, getting into Europe and all those things. It's just a shame. It is a for me. real shame to see Derby struggling in the way that they are. Yeah. Yeah. Big. Could be a big, big issue. And I think this, you know, Rain Rooney's going to stick it out. And I think if he gets them anywhere near a respectable position in the league, and I'm meaning they might go down, if they, say they get the full 21 points taken off them, but he can get them up to about 50, 60 points. Probably won't get them that far. But, you know, if he got them to 30, 45 points. Yeah. Anywhere in that kind of range, thirty-five to forty-five they've, uh, they've points. Then, well. yeah. then he's had an amazing season. Yeah, definitely hasn't it at that point, and and that'll do him his career the world of good. It will, yeah. But the other thing, obviously, with this points deduction that's potentially coming, obviously they won last weekend. I think Stoke last yep. weekend. It will bring them closer together, the players. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know, they, well, they only exactly. The problem is though, when you've only got that few players in the championship. It's a tough it league. It can be a, yeah. exactly, you know, the games come thick and fast. There's, what, 46 games in the league? 46, yeah. And then, you know, you throw in the odd cup game, which I'm sh- you know, and, and Rooney's not going to have any choice of, he can't. He's got no youngsters he's only got, to play in it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So he, he's got no wiggle room, so he's going to have to play players. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tricky time at Derby. Tricky, tricky time, time at Derby. Tricky time across the Trent as well, the Forest. Yeah, at Forest. They've got their new man in though today. Yeah, Steve Cooper. Interesting appointment. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, I don't know much about, about him or his record. He managed the England under-17s, didn't he, for a while? Obviously, was he the guy that won the World Cup with them? Yes, he was, yeah. Okay. And he went in at Swansea, so bit... did reasonably well at Swansea, and then he was told that he wouldn't have any money to spend, and that's why he left Swansea. Okay. And so, yeah, ho- hopefully Forrest can turn, because they're the same. I mean, they don't like it, but Derby and Forrest... Well, they're connected by one man, aren't they? They are indeed. And, you know, the, basically the big two moments in their club's history came from the same man. Yes. Well, the t- same two men. We mustn't forget Peter Taylor. Peter Taylor, of course, yeah. Yeah, he was a big part of that team. Brian Clough and Peter Taylor. Um, and speaking of legends and heroes, I think before we finish, obviously we lost Jimmy Greaves. We did. Over the weekend. Yeah. I'll, I'll be honest, a bit before my time, definitely before my time in his playing days, Jimmy Greaves. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't, you know, I never saw the TV shows that he did. Um, I think I saw him maybe pundit on a few England games. I kind of remember back in the 90s when yeah, I was younger. Yeah. That's sort of all I remember of Jimmy Greaves. When I see Jimmy Greaves, I always imagine, you know, his, his balding head, his moustache. And when you see him as a player, different class. Different class. When I've seen these clips that have called been going out across the weekend, yeah. the way he moved across the pitch and his goal scoring record, his England goal scoring record is phenomenal. Absolutely brilliant. And if he'd have played more games, obviously he missed out on the World Cup final, didn't he? He did, yeah. Obviously, Jeff Hurst took his place and the rest is history. Yep, the rest is history there. Big loss for football. Obviously, we had a lot of former players there on Sunday. Yes, Um, big lineup. There was. Michael Dawson. Michael Dawson. on the end as well. He was also there. He was also there. But yeah, obviously, you had Martin Chivers and Steve Perryman. Glenn Hoddle was there, yeah. Ledley was in the lineup. Ledley was in the lineup. Gary Mabbott. But obviously, the players that have played with him, obviously, Chivers played with him while he was yeah. at Tottenham. Steve Perriman did to a certain degree as well. And Steve Perriman described him perfectly. He used to just glide across the pitch. Yeah, if no, you thought how those, those pitches clips. were in them days, yeah. for him to take on three, four, five defenders. Yeah. When you, can, when you, see, when you see the clips, it's. Yeah. You know, obviously, he is the greatest goal scorer this country's ever produced. Yeah, obviously our greatest ever goal scorer as well. Yeah. And so um it now it now makes me quite sort of sad in a way that no. that Harry might well break that record. I mean he probably won't, he'll probably leave before he breaks it. Well he needs potentially he needs a couple more years, doesn't he? Yeah, he can leave a couple more so, years. But then so he's probably going I next suppose summer. if he doesn't break it, that's kind of a nice thing. <laughs> yeah. Kind of. He might go past his England record soon though. He might well do. But yeah. Sad, sad day for football, really. Yeah, it was, especially, uh, well, yeah, everywhere. You know, you, I, like I was saying, I just remember his balding head, his moustache, and when you look at him as well as a 
as an individual he's, he's just changed so much he's unrecognizable for me i was looking at the picture the old pictures of him he's unrecognizable he's unrecognizable for <laughs> i wouldn't like recognize you know what i mean i just wouldn't have recognized him at all someone would have had to tell me that's jimmy greaves yeah, he retired jimmy at 31 yeah so you know he was technically the original let's go abroad and play football when he played for ac oh, yeah. went night to ac didn't he but curiously when he came back obviously we bought him from ac milan we paid yep. £999,999 for him. Really? Because Bill Nicholson didn't want him to be the first £100,000 player. Well, there you go. Happy, happy times yeah. when that happened. Big goals. Sad we've lost him. Yeah. But some good memories. Definitely. Right, and that, that's pretty much it. What have we got coming up this weekend? What have we got coming up this weekend? So match day six in the Premier League. So there are two games on Saturday lunchtime. Chelsea versus Manchester City and Manchester United versus Aston Villa. Four games on the three o'clock on your Saturday. Leicester versus Burnley, Everton versus Norwich, Leeds versus West Ham and Watford versus Newcastle. Brentford take on Liverpool in the 5.30 game. And then there's two games on Sunday. Southampton versus Wolves, the North London derby between Arsenal and Tottenham. And on Monday night, the A23 derby versus Crystal Palace and Brighton. Well, there we go lots of good football coming up this weekend obviously carabao cup action as well happened this week so well done to your team if they won commiserations if they went out and we will be back don't forget you can get in touch with us let us know your thoughts we've talked about newcastle in this podcast so make sure if you've got any views on your clubs we want to know we want to know what you're all thinking out there so if you're listening and you want to get in touch with us you can either tweet us at let's football pod or you can email us at let's talk football podcast 442 at gmail.com. Long one that one, so let's try that again. Let's talk football podcast 442 at gmail.com. Always a long, always a long thing to get through, that is. Right, so um, we will be back next week with lots more, I'm sure, more drama to come in the Premier League next week. So stick around. We will see you very, very soon. But in the meantime, stay safe and look after yourselves, I guess. Bye-bye. Bye.